Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a nonprofit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. All right, so I am pretty confident that what we are doing this evening, Cody, has never been done on a hunting community podcast before. Groundbreaking. We're groundbreaking. We are groundbreaking. We are groundbreaking. I don't know. And, and I, I, I honestly think that uh, if you know, for those of you that have listened to the roundup in the past, know that uh, a couple of roundup roundups ago, and we will do it again right now. We might as well do it right now because probably people listen to the first five minutes and then shut us off, Cody. So we might as well ask the question now instead of at the end of the podcast. Uh, if you want to be on the roundup, anyone who's listening to this. Shoot us an Instagram DM, and you can be on the roundup. I think it actually happens. Okay, I'm trying to figure out like how to, to not not sound like an asshole to Rob the second he's not like. I, I think non celebrities. Is that, is that fair, Rob? You're not a internet industry celebrity. No, that's definitely fair. Okay, yes. I, and I don't no mean anything. Here. But I think they're probably on podcasts a lot. Um, it's just. I th we've had some incredibly well-known folks on our podcast, and I think what we're doing that is a little bit groundbreaking is we made a conscious decision that uh, those aren't the only people we want to talk to. It's not like we hard stopped on people in the hunting industry. We just decided, hey, you know, this would be really cool to have some folks who uh, who don't do this type of thing for a living. Um, and yeah. And, no, uh, but I think we, we, you know, we, we certainly obviously have some of the celebrities and some of the influencers and the bigger names and whatnot. But I think we also have the sort of the middle tier of people that, it's not really a tier, it's almost like people that 
are unknowns as well, right? The people we get from the UK, the people we get from Australia, people are like, who the hell are these people? Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is they're usually in the, they usually have a job that correlates to what we're talking to them about most of the time. Most of the time. Um, And uh, I think uh, it also was like really reaffirming that some people actually listen to our podcast because when we talked about it, people's, Quite a few people, like honestly, more than I thought would, were like, hey, I heard you guys said you wanted some guests and I'd be up for it, which I, I, that was kind of cool too. You know, at least, at least the 10 people that submitted are actually listening to part of our podcast, right? (laughs) Yes. Thanks for having me. You know, it's an honor to be that first non celebrity one. So. Well, thanks, guys. And this is your very first podcast. You've never done a podcast before. Yeah, I never went on a podcast. Certainly listened to a lot of them. I certainly listened to a lot of Blood Origin podcasts. Man, cheers to that. Cheers to your brown liquid that you're drinking, which is (laughs) tea. Some iced tea. Iced tea. (laughs) And Are you drinking tequila tonight, Cody? I am. Listen, I'm I'm a straight plug of tequila that's never done anything for Blood Origins. But if you like to sip tequila. I'm not talking about the college days of Cuervo 1800, but if you like to sip tequila, Peach Street Breweries out of, okay, and we also have to technically stop saying tequila because if it's not made in the Sonora state, it's Degave. Degave Especial by Peach Street Distillers in Palisade, Colorado. Honestly, if you get a bottle and don't like it, Robbie will pay you back for the cost of the bottle. It's incredible. It's incredible. It, it, it may be my new favorite drink. Well, cheers to that. And cheers to me forking out a shit ton of money. <laughs> well, yeah, at least we like, know it's not the tequila talking this time. When you uh, you know open it up, hey, if you want to be a guest, come on. I thought, well, maybe it was just Cody's uh, tequila talking there a little bit. Right. towards it. it was towards the end of the podcast, but everyone knows now it's not. Yeah, we get wired up. Yeah. It's going to be a big party today, Rob. <laughs> Sounds good. So, Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Um, obviously you hunt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, certainly. I'm from uh, Western Pennsylvania and, uh, rural Western Pennsylvania and anybody growing up there, it's kind of, uh, you know, I've, I've been hunting since a little boy and it's just, uh, it's a tradition, Western PA tradition going out in that first day schools have off on the Monday after Thanksgiving. Um, I think they what still do. What yeah, a tradition. Yeah. What a tradition, man. And, uh, you know, ever since a little boy, my dad, hunt, my dad hunted, I always just wanted to be out there with him. Right. And, uh, he took me small game hunting before I was 12. And, uh, once I was 12, then, uh, you know, went squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting, um, pheasant, and then, uh, whitetail hunting. And, uh, I haven't missed an opening day since I was 12. So, and, you know, I'm 42 now. So, Oh, and so I, I relocated to uh, outside of Annapolis, Maryland now, but uh, still get back home. I've been here for eight years, but still go back home for that opening day. And uh, it's just that tradition, that Western PA hunting tradition. And it was just something that I grew up with. And you have kids. You said you were an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. Have an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old and uh, started taking uh, my son out hunting last year. And they, Pennsylvania has a mentor program. And he was actually able to uh, bag his first doe in archery season using a crossbow. He's not uh, yet ready yet to pull back the full bow, but crossbow. So that was that was quite an experience. You know, it was it was 
Uh, I think it was better seeing him get his first deer than than I can remember when I was, you know, got my first deer as a young boy. So that was a good experience. Cody, you experienced that, right? Your your kids are older than mine. I haven't got yet the experience, the honor yet to have my my kids shoot a deer yet. But yeah, I I've, I definitely uh, my daughter was never interested in it, which was kind of. I ran a guide service when my when my kids were really little, and my daughter it wasn't a. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping looking back that she knew she was, I don't know. Um, but she was out, she would clean birds and you know, it's, it's not a, I'm afraid to get dirty thing for her. I don't think she was ever interested in it. I've never really pondered this. I hope that I didn't not make her feel invited. Um, and my son, yeah, my son went hunting, um, multiple times with me and he, uh, my son is by no means an anti hunter. I don't think because he still goes with me. He just is kind of more of a uh, observer now by choice. I think there's always that time he's in his early 20s of kind of kind of figuring out what what you're going to do in life, but yeah, I definitely have experienced uh hunting with my son and really hunting with that that feeling of being with someone and helping mm. whether they're your children. I mean, I I loved guiding I loved guiding good people. Um it, and I loved it literally as much as, as uh, I love hunting myself. Um, and if, sometimes maybe even, even more. It's a it's a lot of fun to go and help someone get that reaction that they get when that when that happens, whether it's hunting or fishing or any of those things. Rob, is your son going to be introduced to the tradition, the the Pennsylvania opening day tradition? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think so. In PA, he has to be 12. So next year, uh, he still has gone up with me and uh, taken part of that mentor program and, uh, you know, the whole Western PA hunting camp kind of tradition. It seems like everyone has uh, their hunting camp. But uh, so, yeah, he's been there. And uh, certainly when he's 12, um, he'll be out there with us. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. And, and my daughter as well. So in a few years. Nice. If, as long as she wants to. So Nice. I've always been severely jealous of the hunting camp. Like, and it wasn't like, I, I mean, I, I hunted as a kid with my father a lot. Um, and I don't know why, unless that, that people just don't do that in Kansas. And I don't know why, you know, you just, you just go hunting, right? There's no, there's no uh, event where you go to camp and, you know, I imagine that at camp there's maybe some, good food and some beers and it's it's like you're at a little lodge i've always been in exceedingly jealous of that uh tradition i don't want my dad to hear this and <laughs> feel like i feel like i missed out on my youth that's not it at all but no one that's not a kansas thing right you just you leave your house and go get in the stand you know or you leave your house and go walk a field um and i wish uh I don't know. I've, I've, for my entire adult life, I've been jealous of the concept of a hunting camp that you went to. Mm-hmm. I think I would, I'm the type of guy that would probably spend a lot of time in camp, like, you know. To your job's detriment, probably. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, probably There's probably, a lot of good food there. And, you probably know, to and the detriment of my hunting, even. Like, I would just hang out and <laughs> shoot the shit with whoever was in the camp. Um, but, uh, no, that's always been a thing that's intrigued me. And I know several you know, that's a thing in PA, right? Like, like everybody has a camp and, and, uh, I've always been, uh, jealous of that, 
tradition. Well, maybe we need to get you to Western PA, Cody. Mm-hmm. Exactly where I was going with this, Rob. I, I like the. <laughs> I, I like that. Cody has an ulterior motive, Rob. Come on, man. You should know this by now. Always, always. Rob, bucket list hunt. You know, at the uh, proverbial out west somewhere, that would be you know great. Uh, you know, Robert, you were telling me about uh, you uh, drawed some, you know, had some draws out west in Montana mm-hmm. and doing a solo trip. That's just awesome. I mean, that would be great right there. I should you know try to just try to get a draw myself, and uh, maybe I can learn from your experience or something there. Maybe we'll oh, do a podcast on or me. follow up on it. And, no, no, me. stop, 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 stop. Or, you know, maybe Cody, you know, we can get some Western PA hunting and I can come out to Colorado or something, right? Uh, I'm not even, oh. <laughs> even going to claim that you should learn from me. But if you take Robbie's bear hunting experiences into account, <laughs> right? Like just, just YouTube it or something. You got a better chance of, of getting. No, I'll, I'll tell you right now, two things on the Western hunt. There's a crap ton of phenomenal over-the-counter hunts right like that you can just all right, well okay do you shoot a bow or are you are you a straight gun guy no i shoot a bow certainly okay there's there's and i'll tell you how i know this because i got destroyed in the draw this year i did uh i applied for 26 hunts wow really nine nine of which i knew i had no chance right building preference points but i drew one <laughs> I drew one Idaho mule deer tag. And then I'm like, I had all these plans. And so me and the buddy that I hunt with the most, we just got online. We'd never really done it before. You can over-the-counter hunt. Well, in Colorado, antelope, elk, bear, just over the just show drive out here, show up at Walmart, buy a tag. Now it you gotta look at the regulations because it's unit based and things like that, but um western nebraska is another phenomenal um that's an over-the-counter antelope and mule deer hunt so you get me a spot sometime in the future in a pa hunt camp and and then come out here and uh antelope in colorado would be your best bet to just show up everybody talks about the elk um and if that's your thing we can absolutely go do that but but the -the over-the-counter antelope hunting here is insane it's insane I'm sign me up. That sounds great. There we go. Yeah. There we go. See, Cody's even willing to guide you. <laughs> I like I'll, that. I'll take you and point at antelope, and that's about all the guiding there is. Antelope with a bow is like uh I don't know what it is. It's like taking a full sh- full court shot in basketball. It's you're you're just it's very, very hard out on the plains, but it is so fun. So fun. Uh Anything else, Cody? Um, admin stuff. Obviously, supporters program in September is going like crazy. We have a bunch of cool stuff. We have a like a custom wood. Uh, his name is um, gosh, I can't remember his name, but his 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 company is Signature Woodcraft, and he's building a custom cutting board and knife holder. I think he's going to emblazon like Blood Origins on it. And I asked him. I was like, hey, we're going to do this like Christmas giveaway in which uh, we'll just let everyone know that we're going to do 25 days of Christmas, that uh, if you're a supporter every day, we're going to pull a different thing that someone can win that's a part of the supports program. And he says, oh, I'll just build you a coffee table. What? I was like, what? 
I said, how are we going to ship that? He was like, ah, we'll deal with logistics later. <laughs> I, love, I, I love those kind of people. That's problem solvers. <laughs> but yeah, we've got a bunch of cool stuff on the supporters program. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll just list one off, which is the Stone Glacier. I'll, I'll list two, actually. The Grumman uh, Super Down Puffy Jacket, Goose Down Jacket by Stone Glacier, $325 that you can win. Uh, if you're just a supporter for the cost of a cup of coffee a month. And um, the other one is a Teton Leather Company custom wallet. I have no idea whatever she's making. I know she's she's playing with some buffalo and kangaroo right now. So who knows? My, my sling is incredible, by the way. I don't yeah. know if I've mentioned that yet. but uh, I, have a- well, I, I, I did see it was incredible until I left my hands and then... I, yeah, I don't well. have one any longer. Well, you get, we have heard all about that sling quite a bit, Cody. God, it's, it's awesome, man. Yeah. It's like, uh, not only is it the coolest looking sling ever, ever, but it's a very good, you know, like, have you ever had a junk sling that you end up here the whole day and why didn't you just carry the damn rifle? No, the thing straps down and, uh, and uh, I failed miserably at looking for a bear with my seven millimeter, um, but my rifle was very comfortable on my back. I'm glad you took some great pictures for us and gave, you know, put them on Blood Origins and stuff. I didn't see it. Well, you want pictures of the trees? With oh, the rifle sling. Sling. That makes mm-hmm. way more sense than tree mm-hmm. pictures. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Have All I right. mentioned it's about 147 degrees in my loft where my podcast studio is? God, it's hot up here. Um, Conservation Club, if any organizations or brands or companies want to get involved and just essentially put their money where their mouth is, and support what we do every single day. Conservation Club is where it's at. Um, that has taken off surprisingly well. I think we're at maybe 10 or 12 Conservation Club members. Um, so uh, excited about that. Um, and just this just came to me. And uh, I think, I know we didn't discuss this, Cody, but um, Rob, once we get off this podcast, please give me your address and we'd love to send you a blood origins swag pack nice t-shirt and a couple of stickers uh for being our guest tonight oh that's awesome i'll be sure to put them up on uh some socials after amazing see coach cody that's what you're supposed to do (laughs) fuck that's just a straight jab at me huh rob for not putting the damn rifle thing up on social media All right, let's get into it. Uh, Rob, being the guest that you are, and we do not want to throw you to the wolves right away. Um, looks like he's looking at his notes very vociferously, folks. Um, what uh, article would you like to discuss this week as a out-of-the-gate article? And look, Rob, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we didn't get to any articles. Last two, the week after that, we only got to one. So if we get more than one here, we're doing well. I do remember those. You had some good guests on there, as well, uh, however. So uh, that was well worth it, so even though <laughs> you didn't get to the articles. Uh, but article-wise, I mean, you, you sent a, a number of them, but the, uh, the filled-to-table movement one. Um, do it. Yeah, that certainly piqued my interest there. All right, so the title of the article is The Field-to-Table Movement, Just a Trend or the Future of Hunting? What do you think, Rob? 
Yeah, so I mean, it's certainly with the likes of uh, these podcasts out there and uh, YouTube channels like uh, you know Meat Eater, for example, they certainly uh, uh, fulfill that. They put out a lot of good content. And uh, I'm sure that helps him be an influencer for that. You know what? The one interesting thing about in the article is they they went on to talk about this one program they had, and they had they say they have an 80 percent retention from this field to fork program that he had. 80 percent. Well, that wow! I would have never guessed it would have been that high by just going out and deriving these these folks and doing like a field to fork sort of program. That seemed uh, you know 80 percent seemed high to me. Yeah, and Field to Fork, if for everybody's edification, Field to Fork is the National Deer Association's program for engaging non-hunters into the hunting realm. And um, what's so great about it, Hank Forrester is the, I don't know what, oh, he's the Director of Hunting Heritage. That's Hank's title. Shout out to Hank. Shout out to all the NDA guys, Nick being the CEO, and, and Matt Ross is uh, a, a past Blood Origins episode guy he's the assistant director of conservation there but yeah the field to fork program was cool cody i don't know if you know how they started but they started in field in in the flea markets they put up a tent in a flea market they couldn't sell anything obviously so they just cooked venison for people and said hey do you want to try it and they had the banners behind them they had the pamphlets and whatnot and people would come up and try the venison they would like wow that's better than i expected and they'd start a conversation with them saying would you be interested in learning how to gather your own venison? And that's why I believe the percentage return is so high, is that they figured out a way to engage people just on their own terms and say, hey, you're here at a flea market, and, and not really a flea market. I actually mistake, uh, misspoke there. It's a, a farmer's market. So you're right. there for food. And so you taste the venison, the venison tastes good. You're like, hmm. Never really thought about this before. Let's see where this goes. I think all of it is, uh, I think there's, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start negative, then go positive. I think the only negative that has come out of it is that the like tiered levels of judgment that come from it. I, I want to state, I think this is, there's a small deal. I don't think this is some big. Well, that came through today, Cody, on the right, Instagram. Right, right. Absolutely. We had an Instagram discussion today where, you know, if you're, if you're not, okay, we're not going to mention any names, but this guy on Instagram today was like, if your only sole reason exclusively is not to eat the animal, then you're evil. I mean, it, it really was almost that simple. Like, re refuse to admit that he got any selfish enjoyment out of the act of going on a hunt. Um, Selectively choosing right. something. And, and, also, and also, like, I hate people. Like, I'm about to do a thing that I hate people to do. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He also said that he just shoots the first deer he sees. And I find that hard to believe. I think almost everyone, I think 99% of people have some selective choice in their harvest. Whether, whether it's about horns 
or it may be I'm going to shoot a doe, that's still a selective choice that you made for for any number of reasons, whatever they are. And I think that like every movement ever, right? Like 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 bourbon drinkers. Michael Sabbath, I'm gonna make fun of you. Michael Sabbath is one of our favorite people on Blood Origins, brought me a phenomenal bottle of bourbon. Basil Hayden's bourbon's great bourbon. I chose to put an ice cube in it. And again, in a joking, not real serious matter, Michael was like, you know, what are you? A girl? Like, why would you put ice in your bourbon? And I'm like, that's just how I like it. I, I'm still a bourbon drinker. We're still bourbon drinkers together. I just like a little ice in it. And I think there's a million or a billion different motivations for hunting, some of which are bad, and we need to judge. But I also like to take old, mature male animals when the herd dictates that's a good choice. I like to do that. And I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't have any qualms with telling you I like to take animals with great big horns. I do. It's not the reason, putting them on the wall is not the reason I step off, but I enjoy it. I like it. And I think, so that's the only negative to come out of the field to table movement is the tiered levels of judgment that have come by the totally pure. Agree. Totally agree. Like meat hunting is, 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 is a more ethical way to hunt than trophy hunting, right? That's what yeah. we've been dancing around. And so argue with me on this. Didn't we prove that that's not actually the case when we got rid of, I mean, haven't we proven that some form of trying to take the older males when it's necessary, right? Or when, it, when, when, when science dictates that's the right, haven't we proven that's a really good way to manage a whitetail, a mule deer, an antelope, an elk herd? We've proven that. So I, I don't like that concept of, of you got to shoot the first deer that comes out or you're a trophy hunter. That's bullshit. Now, I think that is much smaller than the positives out of it. And the two big positives in my mind are, what an incredible way for NDA to do this, right? Like get people who are interested in good food that they know where it came from by going to a farmer's market. Um, and get them involved. Great way to expose people. Um, and the other thing that I'll tell you applies completely to me is the food side of it. Um, I was very much like, like nothing that we ever shot growing up was wasted, but a lot of it was given away um, because of you know, maybe uh, my, my mom's a phenomenal cook. I, I don't really know. Maybe she didn't, she wasn't familiar with cooking venison or, or waterfowl or the things that we brought home. For some reason, everybody can cook a dove great, right? Like we ate all of our doves because they were phenomenal and a lot of other stuff got given away. I do think that the field to table movement, and I'll very specifically say that Renella's cookbook, um, has been phenomenal at getting a lot of people that thought that deer didn't taste good to realize you weren't making deer good, right? Like that's what was actually happening because we've in the past several years, um, 
I mean, I've now had whitetail backstrap that was as good as any beef that I've ever had in my life. And I'm a big beef guy. So I, I think there's a lot of positives. That one little negative irks me of, I don't really like purists of any form, right? Like it's my way or the highway. And there is, there is some of that in, in the field to table movement. Rob, where, do, where are you in with the idea of trophy hunting? Yeah, I'm glad I was just going to say to that point, Cody. You know, there isn't a hunting camp back home in Western PA that probably doesn't have a buck pool. You know, and but you know, and so you're going out there to make, to try to get the the biggest buck. But no matter what, we're still processing that deer the same way that we would if it was a doe or a small, and we're utilizing it as everything that we can. Um, in fact, my, my son's deer that he got last year, we still have the, uh, the hide to process yet. I still got it in the freezer, but we got to, it's, it's on the list to do, but even to that point. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, there isn't a hunting camp in Western PA that doesn't have a, uh, you know, buck pool. It's an interesting point you just made that. But it, okay, you know, it's incredibly interesting because we've had all these arguments about hunting contests and stuff that just make me want to smack people but that not people who think that so say let me ask you this question rob and i i know the answer but i want it to be said out loud if pa made that buck pool illegal and then somehow enforced it like right like they put a game warden in every hunt camp and he stood there and you couldn't have a buck pool would you stop going to deer camp it's not, it's not why you went, right? It's just a side effect. It's, it's a a, absolutely just a side right. effect. Yeah, it's just a part right. of it. And we're still going and it's, it's just a, I don't know, a way of life. But yeah, certainly we're still going and, um, you know, and enjoying that time. You can put a group of guys in a camp for any reason. I mean, we can be at wood All gals. All gals. Let's, let's, let's be equal. Well, no, I'm going to get derogatory on men is why I just mentioned men. And, <laughs> and, and some gals, if you include my wife in this fiasco, she'll dive right in. But it doesn't matter. You know, we could go to woodcutting camp and we're going to make some damn side bet out of the deal, right? Like I, my saw, my, my blades stay sharper longer than yours. Something, right? But it's not why we're there. It's not what we're there for. It's not the motivator behind it. Um, and I do think that I think the field to table movement is a great thing that has one side effect that I would like to erase. That's my point. Yeah. And, you know, the, the biggest component of the field to table movement is the approval component of it in the non hunting space. I wish Fish and Wildlife Service would update their survey because we all are using the numbers from a I believe a 2016 survey or 2018 survey. Um, but that, that survey showed that 86% of people that do not hunt approve of people that hunt for food. Uh, only 26% of those people, or 36%, one of those two numbers, I, I, get, I can't remember right now, uh, only will approve someone hunting for the quote-unquote trophy. And to Michael Sabbath's point, the, the problem with this idea of the trophy is that it is such a vague term that makes it extremely dangerous. Yeah, it, but I, I, I'm, I'm still a firm believer in not changing the term. I mean, it's just like, it's, to me, it's the, have you had a Michael Sabbath discussion about kill versus harvest? No, we should do that. 
Oh, I had it on my back porch with Basil Hayden bourbon, and it's good, and it should have been recorded, but it would have needed an explicit warning, possibly. But I, I, I agree with you, but I don't know where... I don't understand the judgment. I don't understand a person that doesn't know anything about it, but they kill an animal, the same animal, the same species in the same location. But this person over here who wants to kill that same animal and is using it, utilizing it, and eating it is a bad person. And no shit on Instagram today. We had a person, like, I'm not making that up that people think that because we had one today that very much thought that. And, uh, Robbie was way more. Yeah, I had to step in there for a second. I know. I, 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 started, <laughs> I started the response to him and I get a text from Robbie that he's like, I got this because I was about to go sideways and it's like, you're just a judgmental. You're just judgmental. You know, I mean, that he wanted to talk about that it needs to be utilized. It needs to help the environment. And what was the third? It needs to be to the benefit of the species. He literally just described African trophy hunting to a T. Mm-hmm. They utilize things that we don't utilize, right? Mm-hmm. They utilize things that we don't have the stomach to utilize. Um, and, but if you do it, I, I don't know, whatever. Too much to keep. All right. Well, good. Field to, fa- field to table, great article, Outdoor Life. Go look it up. It's a great one if you haven't. It goes through a bunch of different people, a bunch of different programs. Uh, NDA is the one that comes right out the out the gate. So shout out to NDA. You guys are doing a great job. Um, I'll take the next one, and I did not put this article in there. Um, and uh, Tom, apologies. I don't know if you got this or not, but it was the words on life. Did you get that one? I did get that one. That was the only one I didn't open up because oh, it was uh, it was it was one of those Cody ones that he puts in there. It's like you know, yeah. a thousand pages long. And this one is <clears throat> wordsonlife.co.uk. It's hunting, quote unquote, is a coward's pastime. And if you scroll through that fact, hunting is a coward's pastime. Sir Roger Moore, 007. Not my favorite 007, by the way. Um, the greatest slaughter of wildlife animals on the planet, kangaroos are not farmed. Uh, Wait, then well, there's- it's Sean Connery, right? The best 007 in the world? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Go ahead. I was literally... Followed followed by Daniel Craig. I was literally leaving the conversation if it wasn't Sean Connery. So go ahead. Uh, There's a... a, a (laughs) I can't believe this is in there. And I don't even know what... There is a a research organization with the acronym DMGD. DMGD... Research organization, April 2005. For all of those who are wondering what DMGD stands for, Cody, would you care to explain what DMGD you? I don't. I don't know. I got to look it up. Why don't you explain it? Oh, it's pretty simple. Diminutive, diminutive male genitalia disorder. <laughs> oh, wow. Has been considered. Here is the fact. The facts 
DMGD, Diminutive Male Genitalia Disorder, has been considered only a theory in the scientific world, but now the long-suspected link between hunting and unusually small penis size has been established as scientific fact by, you would think, a third scientifically verifiable organization, but no, even better, by the Diminutive Male Genitalia Disorder Research Organization. Excellent. <laughs> hey, hey, I didn't do this research, but this is now the... I now get credit oh for the God. best article of the week. This is the best article of the week. I actually should... Um, so what does that... What does that... Rob, what does it mean for women that hunt? Well, I don't know. Uh, when I when I you clicked on this say, link and pause, pause. Yeah, I don't want to answer that. that one. I don't yeah, yeah, that yeah one. exactly. I posted <laughs> this article because it amazed me that someone spent the time. That's like I have all these little like side uh, reasons, and I can tell you right now, my Google newsfeed is just straight fly fishing and hunting and conservation, right? So I scroll a lot of them twice a day. I scroll my Google News feed twice a day. And uh, this one, as I read down through it, obviously the title grabbed me. And then I read down through it. And my whole thought process was, holy shit, someone got paid to research all these quotes and statements and things. You know what I immediately thought was... uh... Alaska saying we should do one of those read the funny comments, right? Like talking right. heads, right? Rob, what do you think? Should we do something like you read one of these things and just like let's go through the the best of the best, like as a video? This is good. Some some good entertainment, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of good entertainment, let's talk about Geronimo. There we go. Geronimo is. The alpaca that was t- that tested positive for brucellosis in the UK and had the entire animal rights world in the UK championing not to put him to death, even though he had a disease that would spread into the agricultural sector. Um, even though he had a legal battle to save him, even though he had people with um, water guns <laughs> shooting the police <laughs> as they came to get him. Please tell me, Cody, you watched this video. 100%. 100% watch. I don't, uh, this is one of those I don't knows. Like, I, I don't know what, like, all of the people that got behind Geronimo. literally are trying to make a choice that's detrimental to the alpaca and i mean all the brucellosis is not an alpaca specific disease it's i don't i don't understand i don't understand your motivation i don't understand i mean other than dogs i've never named the thing and that's not true dogs and horses i've never named a thing in my life i've never never named a white-tailed deer in kansas I mean, like a like alfalfa field or hot, like not Petey. Okay, okay, okay. Or little Bubba. 
you know, something like, I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand that motivation. And what really pisses me off is the animal rights organizations that got behind it because they absolutely have the knowledge to know that all it was, was a fundraising and notoriety thing for them. It wasn't what was best for the animal kingdom. It was, it was an, it was a, it was a fundraising and notoriety and, and publicity stunt for them. Just, you know, I mean, we can name them off, right? Cecil the lion, Mapony or whatever that lion's name was, and Geronimo the alpaca. <laughs> I Mopony. love you trying to make like South African. It's an American trying to Mapony, Mapony, Mapony. There we go. Right. Thank you. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't. And any time that uh, HSUS PETA or Defenders of Wildlife has a headline with an animal's first name in it. It's a fundraising thing. It's a publicity thing. It's a stunt. It's not for the good of the species or the good of the bio, the the ecosystem in any way. Rob, what did you think of the video? Yeah, that was just crazy. What a debacle they had going on there. Um, I mean, the article notes that uh, this, I don't know anything about this disease except from reading in the article, but it was one of the most significant animal health challenges that England faced today. That's, I mean, that, I, I guess it could spread well, out. Well, it's the reason that. why Yellowstone bison, bison cannot be transported in Montana. It's brucellosis. It's a huge agricultural disease. So and wouldn't these folks that would, wouldn't they also want to eliminate that too? I mean, that, or just, or just worry about Geronimo, just Geronimo. Oh, just Nothing worry about Geronimo and, That's and it. The, like you say. One alpaca. I, I what what blew me away, and I, 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 obviously we have a lot of UK followers of Blood Origins, and I interact with them quite we, well. We interact with them quite quite a bit. Is the disdain? I guess you know it's happening in this country too now, but uh, the disdain for the police and the people that are there, Defra, who were there to take the animal away, they couldn't give two shits about them, right? They were just like in their face. There was no like crowd control. There was no like, okay, you put hands on me, you're getting arrested. It was out of this. It was an insane video. Yeah, it was out of control. Totally out of control. Um, all right. We're through Geronimo. Um, I, I mean, have well, some... While you're still on that, Robbie, yeah, go ahead. it, it go would ahead. be nice to get some input from uh, some of your UK listeners out there just on, you know, how, you know, how they would, uh, feel about that well what, what, what happened well i think the uk are, are in the same you know position we are which is yeah. um and and the reason for the article really comes down to how um radical the anti-hunting animal rights movement is in the uk uh the biggest ones are called saboteurs and they're essentially almost quasi-classified as a terrorist organization. I have been privy to seeing their propaganda through a password-predicted PDF, and it was absolutely, like, it would shock you, right? Shocking imagery, but, but uh, an instruction manual on how you're going to steal people's dogs, instruction manual on how you're going to destroy traps, instruction manual on how you're going to terrorize people at 2 a.m. in the morning that are Badger colors, contract badger colors kind of deal. Really just radical, radical 
extremists. I wouldn't even say terrorists, extremists, radical extremists. Wow. And the UK is the hotbed for it. Why wouldn't you say terrorists? I don't know. I guess I've never really thought through the definition of the between the two. Someone that terrorizes people, and that's absolutely what they're doing to the hound hunters and the people. I mean, they are, and and similar to most t- terrorists who get down to the point of terrorizing someone, their basis is completely is completely unburdened by data, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just like trying to save Geronimo. Getting, removing the possibility of Geronimo spreading brucellosis, which there's, there's only one way to do that. You can't put him on any farm. You can't put him in somebody's backyard with other animals. It, that, that's what needs to happen. And anytime you go out at 2 a.m. and to attack there's no other word than attack terrorize the badger callers in the united kingdom who are who are an extension of the government i mean that's a a decision that government biologists decided needed to happen right like i can i can have for the benefit of the country and the benefit of the agricultural sector and the gdp and all sorts of things these are these are people looking for some meaning in life they really are they're looking for a cause to latch on to and and to try and find some meaning in their life and it's uh i don't know it's it's, it's another one of my i have many i don't understand i don't understand your logic on this and uh i would listen to you but you'd have a you'd have a uh uphold uphill road to hoe <laughs> Um, well, uh, there's two more things that I, I didn't put on the list uh, that I'd like to talk through. Um, they actually happened in the last couple of days on Instagram. But first, uh, came out of Denmark. Shout out to our Danish colleagues, uh, David Carson Peterson. Actually, by the way, we're about to do some Blood Origins work in Denmark, Cody. Um, and uh, David invited the Minister of the Environment, sorry, not you, Cody, next time. We'll take you to Denmark next time. Invited the Minister of the Environment of Denmark to a kid's, um, it was almost like a fair. He had 170 kids. It was almost like a what? A fair, like a... Oh, a fair. Sorry, uh, yeah, a fair. And like, it had tents set up, it had all sort of different, like hunting companies and stuff like that. And one of, and he organized it, and um, he had 170 kids there, and they each got a duck, and they were taught how to process the duck. Very cool. And he had the minister of the environment of Denmark there, and he took pictures with him, and the minister held the duck, and he took pictures with him holding the duck, and the minister was all about it. It's incredible. I like that a lot. I would say, arguably. Denmark is probably the most progressive hunting country in the world right now. Define progressive, like as far as expanding hunting opportunities on a regular basis, moving from where they were to where they are, that kind of progressive. Yep. Progressing, expanding, I guess, defining progressive in the hunting realm of being more 
um, amenable to hunting and hunting opportunities. I like that. Uh, I like the kids' fair idea. I like that a lot. I mean, you know, because it starts uh, with the next generation, right? And Robbie, you know, a, a cool idea for Blood Origins would be, and I mean, you got some uh, content on YouTube and some solid video content, almost like a field the table for youth. You know, getting youth on. Let's uh, build up that next generation. And, uh, you know, maybe that's that's a good example to follow, you know, right there that they got going on. And I did see that on your Instagram feed. That uh, It's pretty neat what they did. Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, and a great idea, Rob. Thank you. That is something we'll definitely consider. Uh, and lastly, happened today. And uh, we have friends uh, in our community that have just come back from Kyrgyzstan. And they went Ibex hunting in Kyrgyzstan. And they both, uh, Andy Merkel and Lucas Paul. Uh, Lucas has, we've actually been on Lucas's podcast. He hasn't been on ours yet. Uh, they went and hunted an Ibex in Kyrgyzstan. Had a phenomenal adventure. Um, is the typical scenario. Ibex are thriving in Kyrgyzstan. Because of hunting, they're not being poached anymore. They are valuable. They uh, scientifically determined the quotas, you know, 900, 1,000 animals in an area, a, couple, a dozen or so are placed on the quota every year. Um, and these guys have been posting about it. They just returned from Kyrgyzstan. And uh, someone in Kyrgyzstan, some big politicals, 300, 400,000 follower IGs, heard about them. And these two boys are getting death threats like it's nobody's business right now. Instagram messages by the hundreds, emails have been found, emails by the dozens, and even voicemails that they found someone's uh, phone number. It's a long shot from Kyrgyzstan. They'll be all right. <laughs> it is it is but it's just amazing right it's 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 uh it's 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 to the point of what blood origins is all about is this education of you get this image of uh of, of, of an ibex and a hunter behind it a trophy hunter behind it and you have a misperception of what that actually is here's the challenge is the person with three to four hundred thousand instagram followers you take care of them. You start taking care of the Ibex in Kyrgyzstan and making yeah. it so, and by no means do I judge the locals or the natives in Kyrgyzstan who prior to hunting were killing the Ibex to survive. But now right. there's an economy racked around the Ibex and they can buy some of their food to survive so they don't have to kill the Ibex to survive anymore. So, Mr. Mr. Couple Hundred Thousand Instagram followers, you take care of them. You feed them. Step up and do a thing instead of just seizing on an opportunity of a hero shot to get more Instagram followers because it looks like you're saving the animals when you're not. You're not doing anything beneficial for them. You're not doing anything beneficial for the ecosystem. You're sure as hell not doing anything good for the people in the area. You're destroying the economy that they're trying to build. Um, and it's it's just that simple. Well said. I got we got we got time. We we gotta cover the Vermont uh 
because I got a little bit of I, I got a, I think I have a contrary opinion a little bit on the Vermont um, hounds chasing bears article. Go ahead, since you brought it up. I've never thought of this, right? I'm a firm believer that uh, that God gave us the knowledge to domesticate dogs for the purpose of working, right? If if you no offense to present company or anyone listening. If you think your dog, you know, became a dog for you to dress it up in a Halloween costume and take Instagram pictures, it's not true. Your dog became domesticated for the sake of working. Um, I've hunted behind hounds. Um, and it's something that I stand behind. There's a line in this article from the uh, Vermont... Uh, Something I gotta I gotta bring it back up. VT Digger. VT Digger, possibly the best name of a media outlet that ever existed. Rigorous nonprofit news for Vermont. Also a very well written article. I'm looking up mm -hmm. the name right now. Who was it? Because she gave both sides. Grace Enninghoff. Grace gave absolutely gave both sides of this discussion. Okay. I want to take a little bit of a contrarian approach to it because I never thought about hounds plowing through someone else's property well that's a huge issue here you know mississippi from a, a deer hounds perspective is is respecting private property i'm admitting right now that i'm a i'm a i'm a supporter of hound hunting in any way that's legal and ethical um but i never thought of that because it it's it's not it's uh for cats it's a thing in uh, Colorado, um, but I never thought the, of the repercussions of a whole pack of hounds barreling through my property, which they're absolutely going to, right? With mm -hmm. zero, even if I had a five-strand barbed wire fence, that's not slowing down a pack of hounds. Um, I, I, I never thought of that. I, I never thought of, I don't want somebody else's dogs running around chasing game on my property. I don't. At the same time, I support hound hunting, and so now all of a sudden I got a conundrum. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, Cody, I totally, uh, I'm right with you on that. I've never hunted with uh, dogs, hounds. Um, you know, obviously, it's uh, definitely a, a sport out there. And but yeah, I agree. If I had a whole lot of land, would I want them running around? Uh, you know, running animals on my land? I, probably not. Uh, but I wouldn't want to tell them that I wouldn't be against them using the hounds to, to hunt. It certainly comes down to a, an acreage sort of area. And that's what I've heard is, you know, specifically when it comes to deer, deer hounds. Um, you know, when you talk about out West bear hunting, coo, uh, mountain lion hunting with hounds, it's mainly done on very, very large tracts of public ground. So the, you know, the chance of them running over private ground, is slim to none, but if they do run over private ground, it's typically uninhabited. So, you know, it, you, there's this idea that you, you don't really know. It's almost like, you know, if you don't know a tree fell on your property, how, you know, how would you know? But when it comes to the South, it comes to Vermont, where you've got very small parcels of private ground against, you know, maybe adequately sized public ground parcels. And what does adequately mean? 300 acres, 500 acres, 1,000 acres, you're going to have some sort of tension occur between private and public 
in terms of, hey, this is my ground. This is private land. You can't come hunt here yourself. Why should you, your dogs be allowed to hunt on my property? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think maybe it's a, it's an issue in my brain without a solution. Um, but it, what, I, I put it on the list because it was the first anti-hound hunting argument that resonated with me. And I, I don't mean it to say that it's sweet. No, 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 no. I would argue with you that it's not, you're not anti-hound hunting. It's different. You're not against the practice of hound hunting. You're just you 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 you're more stating there's a private land owner issue here that has a precedence to hounds being on the property. Right. Let me rephrase. It's the first argument from a person who was seemingly anti-hound hunting that resonated with me. But I, I have not reversed my opinion on people using dogs in the hunt in any way i am saying there's a new issue in front of me obviously this is probably an old issue something that i didn't pay attention to of i don't want i butt up to 280,000 acres of public ground and and people people chase cats over there i don't i don't want their dogs on my property running running my my deer and and bear and elk around in circles. Not, you know, I, it's a, it's anyway, it, it, it's one of those things that's more complicated and I don't want to, I'm still 100% in favor of the legal and ethical use of hounds and hunting. Um, it's just the thing that never crossed my plate before. So I stuck the article on the list. Rob, final thoughts. Yeah, I totally agree uh, with uh, Cody. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, how would they come up with that solution in Vermont? Because, uh, and that, at least in the article standpoint, it was uh, totally legal, and the uh, the the guy that was using the hounds to run them over there. But you know, I I was the same way. I kind of I was I felt for both of them. You know, I was uh, understood from the landowner standpoint. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. That's a I don't have an answer for that one for sure. Yeah, I've heard arguments of acreage limits. So you can only run dogs on a certain acreage of public ground uh, to avoid any private ground trespassing, to limit, not avoid, but, you know, potentially minimize any private ground trespassing. Um, yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's certainly something that people, you know, and, and the other one, here's something that just popped into my brain. In areas like Maine, I, I'm not sure how it is in Vermont. And I don't know if, you know, tied to the species, whether you can or not. But I know, for instance, for turkeys in Maine, if your ground is not posted and it's private, you can hunt it. I can hunt it. Does that pertain to dogs? Or is it tied to the species? I don't know. Yeah, something just something to make you think. Something to make you think that it's not all um, on either side of the argument. Whichever camp you reside in, very little of this is actually black and white. It it, it deserves and requires a discussion um, and with some thought and and sometimes maybe with a little more compassion than we tend to throw into our discussions. That mm -hmm. 
I I come I I thought it was going I I went into it thinking it was going to be a big, you know, you're horrible to the dogs and the animals and none none of that is 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 true across the board. But I read the article and I thought, well, shit, that's about <laughs> that's a valid point that needs to be discussed. So I threw it in the roundup lineup. Well said, well said. Well, Rob, phenomenal first podcast in the bank how do you feel i ah, great yeah thanks for having me on guys uh you know listen to the podcast and uh yeah it, you got in your just your message and especially robbie so from you know this one thing mentioning worth finding on the site when i first found you guys back in july when i was uh like i mentioned i was talking with brian fury he was trying to, he's trying to get you on his podcast but you know, you went out, you're not from the United States, so you migrated here. And it's, it's sometimes it takes that to really appreciate the liberties. And you put, you had that right on your site and that really hit me. You know, that's uh, something that uh, Americans that, you know, in, in here, they can just take that for granted. And uh, sometimes it takes someone like yourself to, uh, uh, you know, realize that and the freedoms that uh, our founders have fought for, for us in this, in this country. And uh, so I, I really appreciated that reading that and uh, and it, it speaks volumes to why you're doing the mission that you are at Blood Origins. So, you know, keep up that great work. And certainly with that foundation, I think you'll go far and, uh, you know, just good stuff. And especially for the next generation. Well, thank you, Rob. I'm, I'm certainly humbled. Obviously, one of those people is Cody. Cody's a, a veteran of ours. Sure. And um, it's, uh, yeah, thank you. I don't know much else to say. So, Cody, your tequila's finished. My whiskey's finished. Rob, your tea's finished. Finished. It's time to go. It's good timing. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.